Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast. Today, you're going to meet Tamala Close. Tamala is a speech-language pathologist in the Dallas, Texas area. She started off in Florida in schools and then skilled nursing facilities, and then she started to have her own school contracts when she moved back to Dallas. She also is the founder of SLP Private Practice in Color, and we talk about our mutual admiration and respect for speech pathologists who decide to pursue private practice. Tamala is just a wonderful person and I can't wait for you to hear her full story. So without further ado, here's Tamala. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners and these are our stories. So before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Tamala H. Close. I live in Dallas, Texas, and my private practice is called Close to Perfection Speech Therapy Services, PLLC. I love it. I'm so excited to have you on the show. And before we like kind of figure out what you're up to now, what your private practice is like nowadays, can we take a a little like time machine back to the beginning to maybe like after you had graduated from grad school around that time, like what was your first job or whatever as a speech pathologist like? Okay. Well, I'll kind of go a little bit further back to undergrad. I was actually a speech science pathologist assistant in the Dallas area for two years. So I always knew that I wanted to go back to school, but definitely having the drive and passion for the field, I said, okay, I need to go ahead and go back and pursue. So upon graduating with my master's, I moved to where my now, where he's my husband now, to Tallahassee. He's a Georgia boy, so he's South Georgia, North Florida, that Tallahassee area. And my first job, actually, I, I made a a total complete change from doing the pediatric school age to going to skilled nursing. Hmm. So in grad school, I kind of gained this real high enthusiasm in regards to like adult and geriatric population. So my first job was in the skilled nursing facility in Tallahassee, Florida. 
Love it. You also said something important, which I really like, was that you started as an SLPA. Yes, right? I did. And mm-hmm. I, I, a lot of times SLPAs contact me and they say like that they are interested in private practice and they wonder if that's a thing or whatever. And so that's always just been interesting to me how there are a lot of SLPAs who really want to have their private, their own right, private practice. Right. Did, did you think of that at all at the time? Yes, yes, definitely. And that's one of the other driving factors for me going back to school is because I noticed in some of the areas that I was serv- servicing were a lot of underserviced areas. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. I have to go back, get my degree so I can come back and open a clinic in these areas that are underserviced. So that was definitely a driving factor to me going back to school as well. I love that. Okay. So then you went to you went to grad school and then you got out and you started working in a skilled nursing facility. Yes. Yeah, so I, I switched paths and I was like, okay, I'm 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 doing the geriatric and outpatient, so adult geriatric population, and I absolutely love that population. But just working in skilled nursing and kind of the the it, it can be taxing at times because at times your ethics are kind of uh, what you feel like is ethical or not in skilled nursing, can, it, it can be a little on the line. And then I just always knew that I wanted to have my own practice or be my own boss, should I say. So I worked there for two years as the staff speech language pathologist, and then I dropped down to PRN and began getting different PRN placements around Tallahassee why I attempted to like build my own practice or build, build my, build myself, you know, build my own business. Should I say? I think that's also really smart. Cause a lot of times people worry about starting a private practice because they're worried about like not having steady income or what happens as they're getting right, started. Right. So it sounds like you're the way you did it was not necessarily to work like on the side of your whatever regular job, but to right. establish a bunch of PRN opportunities right, so that you right. had that money coming in. Exactly. So when you are PRN staff at several different facilities, and one of them is bound to be understaffed or speech language pathologist out on maternity leave. So somebody's bound to need you. So I was actually getting a comparable pay, even though the hours were a little shorter because you can ask for more money as a contractor. So that's kind of how I did it. So I went from working maybe 35 to 40 hours to working 20, 25 hours and still bringing in relatively the same type of pay. And now I have extra time to develop myself. So or develop my own practice. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's very practical for people listening. There's lots of ways to do this. And, and that's, that's one of them. So what was your, when you were starting these early days of your private practice, like what did your vision look like at the time? Or like what kind of clients were you trying to attract and that kind of thing? I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like adults and do like Medicare and build Medicare and property insurances like that. Or if I was wanted to do children and do pedi- the pediatric population. But I did, one of the PRN positions that I picked up is with one of our admins of our organization. So she kind of took me up under her wing, Brittany Desir. And she has several different contracts with schools and daycares and daycares for medically fragile. Mm-hmm. And I kind of started leaning more towards wanting to do a school contract. 
just because of the flexibility of it's, it's a school day. So you know what time you're getting off and you ne- don't necessarily have to have a facility if you're going into the school. So that's the route that up under her wing. I'm like, okay, I think this is the route that I'm going to go. Yeah. Well, that's a great way. I mean, building contracts with schools is a great way to build your private practice. Right. It's also a way to have more regular income because you know what that contract income, I mean, depending on how it's structured, for the most part, you then have that consistent income that you maybe were worried about not having because you have a school contract, right? Yes. So I absolutely love working at the schools. Like you say, it was, it's consistent. You know what your hours are going in. You know, typically what your check's going to be. You know your, your hours of work. You, you can get your schedule together, you know, when everyone's IAP is due. Mm-hmm. So you're able to really get into a rhythm doing school contracts. And I kind of noticed having your own brick and mortar private practice wasn't necessarily for me because you, you would have a client who was supposed to be here. They might, they may cancel or it's kind of variable of, of whether or not you're going to get a client that's going to be consistent and I'm like, oh, it's a lot more consistency with the schools, in my opinion. So I felt like it was the safer route to stick with the schools. And that's something else that I just don't think that everyone knows that that's an option, right? Right. Like, this is the whole point, listeners, this is the whole point of my podcast is to show you that there are lots of different ways to have a private practice and a great way to do it is to have to get contracts with schools in your area and or you might have to drive a little distance or nowadays do it with telepractice right but you you still have your private practice and you're contracting as a private practitioner with these schools and and that's kind of that was my strategy to kind of maybe go to the outskirts of town maybe 30 minutes 30 miles outside of the major city because you know a lot of people don't want to drive <laughs> and then when you get on i guess the job boards you you can also kind of look and see who's been needing a speech pathologist for a while so contact that school that's been needing a speech pathologist for a while hey you know i know you have that you want a salary worker but would you be interested in a contractor they may say no at first, but they always seem to come back and be like, okay, <laughs> we will give you a shot. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a, a lot of people have done that and it's a great, great way to do it. So what happened next? How long did you like kind of do that strategy and, or is that still what you're doing or, or what? I still, I'm, I'm still doing the school contract. So I started, well, I, I actually completely formed the LLC in, I believe, April of 2018, but I took a little bit of time off because of my son. So I was, at that time, I started trying to pursue teletherapy opportunities but for some reason, I just couldn't break into that. A lot of people are like, well, we really want you to come in. Some people are open to teletherapy and some people aren't. So I was actually working for a teletherapy company as a, as a contractor. So I was still working kind of PR in a contract. And then uh, August 2019 is when I landed my first real contract with a school system that was right outside of Tallahassee. And it was amazing. The school was awesome. So from there, yes, I started working at the school and I was one of three speech pathologists, which is very rare. (laughs) 
than any school system. So yes, I was there. I had my caseload and everybody was awesome. So my first experience was great. And then my husband got on with U.S. Marshals. So we relocated back to Dallas. And it's crazy how God works. Everything just lines up. And I got a call from someone that I work for as a speech language pathologist assistant, heard that I was coming back as an SLP. And they were like, hey, we, we, we need coverage at these schools. And we know you have experience with telehealth. Would you be interested? Now I had contracts. As soon as we moved to Dallas, I immediately started working as a telehealth provider for different school uh, charter schools around Dallas. That is so incredible. Everything just aligned like it was supposed to, and I'm still rolling there waiting on us to come back. <laughs> I love, I love uh, several things you said. One of them was like, after your son was born that you had to like shift and kind of take some time off or try to figure out what to do. Now you were a mom, right? One of the things too is, yeah, is to figure out like how you can, how your private practice can work around your life and how there's different seasons in all of our lives and what you're able to do might change for a variety of reasons, right? Children or illness or moving or like any number of things that we all have going on. But I really like that you said that you sort of shifted when he was born, right? I did did make a shift. And that's kind of, again, when I decided for sure that I wasn't sure if I wanted necessarily a brick and mortar clinic. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, if, if I do ever, I think I might get more of an office space. Like if I bring on SLP assistants or subcontractors, but I, I really think that the schools is where I will remain, especially now with taking on the organization, <laughs> the time that I'm spending now is being, uh, I'm spending it now building this. So that's where a lot of my focus has gone. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's cool is that, so you moved back to Dallas, right? So you already had some connections there, which is great. But even yeah. if you hadn't, let's say you didn't have those connections from when you were in SLPA, you were being relocated because of your husband's work. And you, let's say you were going to somewhere that you didn't have any connections. Right. Then you could do that strategy that you talked yeah. about where you're looking at the job boards and seeing who still needs an SLP. And you could have totally done that in some random other location you're moving to, right? Right, right. Especially in Texas, because Texas utilizes a lot of assistance. And at that time, the law had not changed for assistance to be able to provide telehealth. So there was a major need for speech language pathologists at that time. So yes, it all ends up working out. And if you know what the situation is and you know kind of how the laws are changing and policies, and that's something that you could also use to kind of formulate your strategy for figuring out how to land contracts, what contracts you can go for this time and kind of know, I guess, the climate of the time. So everybody was scrambling with the COVID and scrambling to get SLPs. Texas had not said that SLP assistance could work. So they were scrambling to find SLPs at that time. Yeah. Well, and you were able to fill that void. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and also so, so kids who were, who needed to be serviced. Yeah. So I was able to stand in that gap. Well, I think that's really what people are like right now. A lot of people are still saying like, is now still a good time to have a private practice? Mm-hmm. Right. So how would you answer that question? 
I would say yes. Being that we're in the, uh, the field of healthcare, we're in the healthcare field, or we provide services that are necessary, there will always be a need for speech language pathologists, just like there's always a need for nurses. And we're essential, in my opinion. So I definitely think that there will always be a need for us, and there will always be that need for speech language pathologists. Therefore, there will always be a need for businesses who provide those services. Yeah, I, I talk about this all the time. It's about filling the gap, right? There are people who need services now more than ever because the whole world's turned upside down. And there's there's SLPs who are willing and able to provide those services either because they have a private practice already that they can serve more kids or even if they just want to see a couple clients on the side. Now's a great time to do that because parents, uh, well, and other people, but I'm a parent, so I tend to think about parents, but are desperate for services for their kids. They are all, they are definitely desperate for services. I was kind of worried as how the participation and attendance would be, but I had awesome attendance and participation in each one of my therapy sessions. And the kids would look forward to speech therapy every week. So I definitely think that we cannot drop the ball We cannot let there become a void in these services because we don't want our kids to, we want to address these delays or disorders, and we don't want our kids to potentially fall behind or have some form of regression. So we want to stay on top of it, continue to provide the services, continue to keep our clients first. Yeah, I I totally agree with you on that. So we have something really cool in common. Okay. Which is which is that we both help support private practitioners. Yes. Well, first of all, let me just thank you because I <laughs> became a member of your group years ago. So to me, I'm on the phone with a giant. Excuse me, not on the phone, on a Zoom <laughs> with a giant right now. <laughs> I'm just starting. But no, I started, I was actually inspired by my admin, Brittany, this year, and then one of the other speech pathologists at the first school contract that I had, and the mentoring and the references and the resources that they provided me with. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a safe space for people to come? I'm like, maybe I could create something like that as well. So I went for it and I started SLP Private Practice in Color. Unfortunately, there is a big gap or a a big disparity in the amount of minority SLPs in the field. And sometimes I know that they don't feel as comfortable with certain questions or certain things of that nature. So I'm like, well, maybe if I create another, an additional space, maybe we can also use this space as well to provide each other with resources and references and networking abilities and things of that nature. But it's open to anyone. (laughs) But yes, I started SLP Private Practice in Color. And luckily, it has grown exponentially. We did a town hall meeting. I'm not sure if everyone, some, a lot of people were on with SLPs of color to kind of address the disparity within the field and then calls for social justice that had become, that had began ringing out again within the country. So we were like, well, we're a group that promotes diversity. So We definitely need to speak out and have a voice in these matters of social justice. So I started with the town hall meeting and with the town hall meeting, 
um, we wanted to address the disparities that we felt were within the field and kind of get our colleagues and our allies aboard with us to kind of say, let's, hey, let's address this. Let's, let's give our organization who we pay money to be in and who's are supposed to be advocates, not only for us, but for children that come from the same community as we come from. What do they feel about this? How strong is their stance? We had the town hall in order to talk and discuss amongst ourselves, amongst colleagues, peers. It was well received. So that kind of catapulted us into feeling like, okay, well, we definitely want to address the cultural piece of everything (laughs) and how important cultural humility, competency, awareness, all that is within providing services because a lot of the services that we provide are to communities that are diverse or or a diverse background. So following the town hall meeting, we launched the Cultural Humility Series. And our Cultural Humility Series was a series where we wanted to, we didn't want to call it cultural competency because we didn't want to make it feel like a badge or even though we gave our certificates or certificate that you can get. We wanted to actually educate people and and actually have people open up their hearts to information because we feel that a lot of things that are founded upon misinformation or ignorance at times. So the Culture Humility Series sought to educate and to dispel a lot of myths and rumors or or a lot of stereotypes. And it it was again well received by our colleagues. We were amazed by the response from everyone. We were actually so happy. They learned, we learned, we learned so much and we all were able to grow. And that's our that's our tagline or our mission to let's grow together. So we actually all came together and everyone all that participated in the Culture Humility, Humility Series, even us hosted it. We learned so much. We educated ourselves and we, we started to gain that wealth of knowledge about, hey, you know, some things are different, but at the end of the day, everything, everyone is still the same, but there are challenges that face certain communities and impact certain communities that shouldn't be there. So let's dismantle these challenges. That was the goal. And again, we, we, we are happy with how it was received. We're happy with the support that we got. So we're really trying to carve out a space where we can kind of, we want to bring everyone together. So that, that is our, our goal because we're all speech language pathologists. We all have the common goal of servicing our clients. And we just want to make sure that everyone does that from a place of where we've learned, where we are culturally competent and culture from a place of cultural humility. Because even though sometimes you could be competent, you know, sometimes your own our own biases can impact how we treat. And if those biases are dispelled, then here we are. You know, we we undoubtedly become more competent. Well, and I think that what you're talking about too is just providing another kind of service, right? But this is like an education and experience-based service to right, try to help right. get get people seeing what some of the different challenges that people are facing that people may not be as aware of, right? I attended a f- several of the town halls and there were things that people brought up that I yeah. had not even right. considered, right? And mm-hmm. I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that, but speaking from my heart, it's like, wow, I can't believe 
some of the things that that people go through. And so I was, it was really important for people like me to be there and to bear witness and to start to understand where people are coming from. And and like I said, it was it. I was educated within the series. I learned so much from even hosting this series of things that you don't even realize biases that you might realize that you have, and you come from the same community. So it's work to be done by everyone. But yes, I, I definitely think that awareness, education, and awareness is the first step. And I believe that that people who join the group also have access to the videos, right? Well, if if you become a private practice premium member, you have access to the, uh, yeah, you have access to the Culture Humility Series and then discounts on any future things that we might do. We also provide those discounts and we're trying to come out and create content. We have a couple other town halls coming coming soon. We just hosted with SLPs of Color on the town hall to address academics, so higher education, how the disparities within getting into some of the grad programs or within the grad programs. I'm sure a lot of you guys might have listened to Ashley's listening sessions and realized that there are issues within the programs. So addressing those disparities as well. Uh, we had we hosted that about two weeks ago, and that's also available for anyone who would like to go and listen to that town hall and see that call of action and that plan. I have some more questions for you, but can you tell people where they can find out? If people have been listening and say, oh my gosh, I want to watch these and I want to sign up, what what website or Instagram okay. or whatever can people go yeah. to? You can find us on www.slpprivatepic.com. We also have our business page, SLP Private Practice in Color, on Facebook. And we also have our Instagram at SLP Private PIC on IG. So, yes, they're all you you will see all access to all of the webinars. Again, premium members get have access to that culture humility series. Which everyone listening should A join and B also become a premium member. Well, thank you. Yes. And we would love to have you because we will be bringing some relevant content out soon. We have a lot of things in the work, works. And again, we did do a host a town hall two weeks ago. That's on the, that's a definitely free. That's on the website as well. And we have a lot of things coming up. We want to address dialect. We want to address technology and diversity. So we have a lot of things coming up and in the works that we do want to have you guys be a part of as well. I think uh, another thing for the listeners to be thinking about is when, when you have a private practice, you also have some flexibility to do other things, mm-hmm. right? So like all these town halls and, and all of this, you know, extra curriculum that you're helping develop and helping support people. This is all on top of your private practice, right? Yeah. This is somewhat related probably through the, your organization, but it's also something that you're doing because you see a need. Yes. Yes. Right. So definitely it's like taking on a second job, but <laughs> It is definitely worth it. And of course, I'm sure you can attest to this throughout, but in the beginning, especially, you know, it's a lot of hard work to build your content, build your following, make sure that you kind of carve your space and let everyone know what your specific mission is. But one of the beauties of, as you said, being in private practice is that you set your own hours 
you let them know what your availability is. And then you also have the option of if you want to bring on subcontractors or assistants when you grow and get to that level, you have that option as well. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for people right now, for SLPs to start private practices and to really, to figure out what needs there are in their community. And hopefully those match with your either areas of experience or expertise or background or whatever. But, but listeners, if you have skills and you know that there are people in your community who need what you have to offer, I believe that you, you almost have an obligation to help serve those people. You do. And that's, again, that's when, what I thought when I was an SOP assistant, I'm like, wow, these areas are underserviced. So I need to do something so I can come back and service these communities. These communities need speech therapy services. So that was, again, one of the goals. And here I am. It might be five years later, but here I am in the city that I said I was going to come back to. And I'm servicing those communities. So you can do it. You just just put it, put your plan down, write it down. And from there, your goals can become reality. Absolutely. You just got to start, right? You got to de- make that decision. Like nothing that you, none of your goals are going to be, become a reality if you don't go for it, right? Mm-hmm. No, you have to, you have to take the leap. Yeah. You have got to take the leap. Fear can be paralyzing. So you cannot uh, allow fear to paralyze you and to let your dreams dry up and wither away. Because look at the good that can come from it, right? <laughs> like like all of the good, right, that you're now helping again in these school systems and that you have your own business, you're setting your own hours, you have time to also be launching all of this extra training that people really need, SOPs really need this training right now. So I I think it's fantastic. I'm very, very impressed with what you've done. And I'm watching you. I've been, you've been, you've unknowingly mentored me. (laughs) Well, I I love that. And I, I am so, I love that we're also now mentoring like together, like, but separate, but together, but we're, we're we're mentoring other private practitioners. Right, right. Same goal. Same goal. Because this is a great opportunity. So everybody listening, if you haven't started your private practice yet, both Tamil and I think that this is a great thing for you to be doing. Reach out to one or both of us to get some more information on, on how to get started. Yes. You are needed. Your skills are needed. The communities need you. So don't be afraid to make the leap. You can do it. There is a space for you. So please, please, everyone, write your dreams down and go forth. <laughs> I love that. What a perfect place to end. Thank yes. you so much for being on the show. I've been really enjoying getting to know you. Tell the listeners one more time where they can find out more about you and about everything. Okay. Well, you can go to our website, www.slpprivate.com pic.com. We're on IG with the same handle at SLP Private PIC. And on Facebook, our business page is SLP Private Practice in Color. Fabulous. PIC stands for Uh, Private Practice in Color. (laughs) I love it. Go find Tamla, sign up, become a premium member so that you can get all of these extra benefits. Take our advice, start. There's a place for you. There's a need for you. We can all do this, right? We can all do this. It is achievable. Trust me, I've done it. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much. 
So how fabulous is Tamla's story? I love that we got into how she got started. She was an SLPA who really wanted to have her own private practice and wanted to serve people in her community. So what did she do? She went out there, she got some experience, but she always had her eye on the prize of private practice. And then a couple of years later, when she figured out how to do it and felt like there was a void in the need for additional support, especially for SLPs of color, she founded a program called SLP Private Practice in Color, and they provide education and resources for SLPs of color who are interested in starting their own private practices. So I urge you to go to their website. It's slppivatepracticepic.com. Also follow them on Instagram at slppivatepic and follow them on Instagram. Send Tamala DM, say that you listened to her episode and what about it inspired you and what your biggest takeaways were. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms, in your own time, and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part? These trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independentclinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.